Hi, my name is Thomas, and I'm going to tell you a story. It's both a new story and an old story. If you've been listening to the Oa Oligar, you know that the characters often reference myths and legends of Oa that informed their culture. So a friend of mine suggested that I record some of them, for those of you who are craving a little something extra. These stories will be short. They aren't necessary to follow the Oligar, and like all histories, they might not be exactly accurate. But if they sound familiar, it's because deep down, your heart knows the truth of them. These are the first histories. Three, Yashilan and Yabernai. Of all the dyads, the five children born to Ulgar and Anrana, it is said that Bak Yashil loved humans with the greatest ardor. For she was the eye of storms and the storm of eyes, and she watched over the three lines of the Echnica in times of passion, terror, longing, lust, and despair. Often she would weep for the lives lost in their bloody wars, and so the rain that washed over a battlefield was called Yashilan's grief. The sun rose with Yashilan's joy and set with Yashilan's peace. Clouds darkened the sky with her anger, and waters churned with her excitement. Bak Yashil was in the steam and snow, a dry heat on a summer day, and a heavy fog in the autumn night. She was present in all things, for such was her desire to be close to humans, to see them shake their heads and shutter their windows against a gale, or smile with delight when a drought came to an end. But in all her comings and goings, there was one woman whom Bakyashil was most enamored with, a Kalian in the West, who went by the name of Yabernai. Yabernai had hair as red as fire. She lived in a village called Kudavista, west of the Snakespines, and one hundred leagues south of Sela Celestia, the god's land. Since she resembled Anrana, there were many attempts to recruit her into the priesthood by the grey priests of Pelus, but each time she refused. While the priesthood promised safety and comfort, Yabernai believed her great beauty and intelligence would be wasted in prayer. No, Yabernai preferred to go stargazing and flirt with strangers, to parlay gifts and favors and to be known and loved. She had a reputation for someone who could get anything, and who named strange prices for her services, a lock of hair or a moonlit kiss. And Bakyashil watched her from the wind and water, and she thought Yabernai was the most wonderful and intoxicating person she had ever laid eyes on. She was smitten, bordering on obsessed. Indeed, so devoted was Bakyashil's attention that Yabernai seemed to others to develop a strange power over the weather. She could pout so pathetically at a clouded sky that it would clear, and almost always when she expressed a desire to dance in the rain, a clap of thunder would answer in obligement, and Yabernai would laugh with delight. Now, all the gods could take human forms with relative ease, but to take a human form and to be human were very different things. 
and Yabunai seemed so at ease in her human form, nay, so utterly ecstatic in her human body, that Bakyashil became seized with envy. She did not want the semblance of humanity. She wanted the real thing. She wanted to walk barefoot along the dusty gray paths and feel the sting of a sharp stone under her heel. She wanted to woo Yabernai in the same manner, with the vivid beauty of a bloody wound. Bakyashil asked Jura to make her a human body, so that she could love Yabernai the way other human-bodied persons did. Dura warned Bakyashil that a physical form like she requested would leave her vulnerable to harm, and Bakyashil assured Dura that she was not afraid of cuts or bruises. But Dura shook his head. To love with a human stomach is to love with acid, he said. When a human heart breaks, the physical form becomes a prison in which you and your pain are locked together. But Bakyashil would not hear it. She could think only of Yabernai and how badly she wanted to be human if only she could be human with her. Do this for me and I will from now on favor your line with artistry above all others, she said. And this pleased Adura, for he had grown weary of the pious frescoes and devoted hymns of the Ulgan. So Dura made Bakyashil a human body, a woman made to woo, with dark hair and soft lips, and gray eyes like the ocean that flashed blue or green or amber according to her mood. And Bakyashil took to her new body with excitement, thrilling to the flutter of nerves in her stomach as she set out for Kudavista. She arrived at the market one evening. It was early summer, and the villagers often dined outside together. Yabernai and a rugged huntsman drank broth from clay bowls. When the suitor rose to clear their table, the goddess approached Yabernai. Yabernai greeted her. I know I have never seen you before, for never could I forget such a face as yours. I am called Yashilan, said the goddess and she stumbled over the words as she said them, for this version of her name was one used only by humans, and she had never had to introduce herself before. Like the goddess, Yabernai smiled in amusement. Yes, said Bakyashil. Well, I'm called Yabernai, the mortal said, and someday I will be a goddess too. She winked. Yashilin thought for a moment that she might faint, so intense was the sensation of blood rushing to her face. To be winked at, flirted with, perhaps, if she dared to imagine it, desired by Yavernai, was everything she dreamed it might be and more. And Yavernai saw this and saw everything. And she said, the huntsman brought me the pelt of a wildcat. If you have come to court me as well, you must have brought me a gift. Once again, Yashilan thought she might faint, as all the blood drained suddenly from her cheeks, leaving them pale as death. Then she remembered she was a god, 
and thanked her stars. Yabernai waited expectantly, so Yashilan placed a hand within her robe and withdrew a flower with petals white and pistols gold, upon a stem so green it might have been plucked directly from the earth. This flower will not wilt, but will thrive as you thrive. Plant it in a pot by your bed, and it will unfurl and bloom with your awakening each morn. Yabernai wrapped her hands around Yashilan's that held the flower, leaned forward, and breathed in the scent of it. Then she pressed her lips to Yashilan's lips, and the two embraced as lovers for the first time. Yabernai did as Yashilan bade her and planted the flower by her bed, and for the next cycle of the moon, she and Yashilan shared that bed. They spent all their time together, and it was the happiest Yashilan had ever been. And somehow, also, it was the saddest. For the closer she drew to Yabernai, the greater the space between them seemed to be. For this month it is said that no poet could write and no gleeman could sing, for all the inspiration in the world was fuel for the fire of Yashilan's love. And the more Yashilan loved her, the more love Yabernai demanded. When the moon was gibbous and waning, they read each other stories by candlelight. When their candle went out, Yabernai asked that Yashilin light up the heavens for them that they might continue to read. An unseasonably early storm shook the town for the rest of the night, as lightning filled the sky till dawn, and Yabernai's eyes sparkled with spiderwebs of light. When the moon was nearly empty one night, they lay together in a field so only the stars could see them. Their lovemaking was interrupted by a band of thieves, but Yashilan instilled them with fear and they fell to groveling. Yabernai asked Yashilan to turn them into creatures that better suited their nature, and Yashilan transformed them into a pack of ring-tailed Arakuans, and Yabernai laughed at how pathetically they ran. When the moon waxed half, they broke bread in the cleft of a mountain ridge. Yabernai was cold, and asked Yashilan to melt the ice from off the cliff and bathe them in warm water. And Yashilan obliged, causing much mayhem for the local fauna, and an avalanche that buried the nearby quarry. And Yabernai smiled and splashed the steaming water at Yashilan. At last, when the moon became full again, Yashilan went looking for Yabernai and found her embracing the huntsman. He had brought her a skirt of ringtail fur. Warm and elegantly striped, it drew shapely around her hips and flew outward as she spun in delight. Yashilan was angry, and she confronted Yabernai. I have called storms for you, transfigured cutthroats for you, brought glaciers crashing down for you. Why yet do you waste time with this roughly shaped dog of a man? And Yabernai's expression was cold and haughty. She said, Yes, you have called storms, banished ruffians, melted ice. But all this is nothing. You have the power to do so much, and you favor me with so little. 
Do you not think I know who you are? She gestured to the huntsman. This man has gone hungry for fifteen days to bring me every last Arakawan. All he knows how to do is hunt, and all he is is mine. You give me a fraction of yourself, and he gives me everything. And so scorned, Bakyashil flew into a rage the likes of which could burn a keep to cinders. So deep was her pain that she began to strip the skin from off her body in trying to claw it out from her. When this did nothing, she fled the mortal body Dura built for her, and it collapsed into burning oil that soaked the ground of Cudavista. Only unburnt were the eyes, for they were too perfect to be destroyed. And ever after, the eyes of Bakyashil were said to repel evil. Bakyashil cursed Yabernai with eternal unlife, stopping her heart in her chest that she would, as Yashilin did, live forever with the memory of heartbreak. She cursed Yabernai with fangs and to thirst for human blood, so that forever she would feed upon her lovers just as she sucked Yashilin's heart dry. And she cursed Yabernai such that her skin would sizzle and her flesh would burn in the light of day, so that half of all that was beautiful would be lost to her forever. The night she left to Yabernai, for it was always night when Yabernai was most cruel. This was a terrible blow to Yabernai, and for five nights the woman raged and screamed, savaging any hapless fools who dared approach her. Finally, on the sixth night, there was quiet. Yabernai walked to the top of her favorite hill and waited for the dawn. But that morning, the sun rose with the moon before it, and Dura, who pitied all creatures, appeared to her in the dark eye of the eclipse. You may be a monster, of that one can never really be certain, but no one deserves to be forever alone. And he laced Yabernai's blood with magic, power that pumped through her veins even as her blood remained still and cold. And from then on, any who drank of Yabernai's blood inherited her curse. And so she made for herself her own strange family. And the progeny of Yabernai stalk the night for lovers to this day. These are the first histories of Oa, a companion series to the Oa Oligar. The show is written and created by myself, Thomas Constantine Moore, and our theme music is by Joe Mendick. The Oligur will return soon, and voting on episode 6 is closing sooner. So don't forget to go to thomastellsastory.com next and make your voice known. Thank you for listening. The sun still shines. The wind still blows.